Welcome to Episode 7 of Autonomy Bytes, a program dedicated to keeping you up to date on the latest trends, technologies, and applications of autonomous systems. Each episode highlights interviews with leading experts to provide their insights and opinions in a format that is educational and entertaining. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Andrew Shepard, the Executive Director and Chief Scientist of Unmanned Aerial Systems, or UAS, at the Sinclair College National UAS Training and Certification Center, located in Dayton, Ohio. Again, I'd like to recognize and thank Sinclair for sponsoring the show. I'm also joined by my co-host, Ryan Smith, a retired colonel in the United States Air Force, test pilot, and aviation industry expert. So Ryan, uh, since it uh, worked so well the first time, we're here with two guests again today. Hi, Andrew. You're right. Today is going to be a great show. We're happy to be joined by Mr. Brian Wynn, President and CEO of the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International, or as most of us call it, AUVSI, and Mr. Gary Bullock, the Chair of the AUVSI Chapter Council and Chief Technology Officer at Pierce Aerospace. Brian and Gary, welcome to Autonomy Bytes. Great to be here. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Andrew, of course, I know that you're active in AUVSI as the chapter president of the Wright Brothers chapter here in Ohio, and you've been looking forward to today's program for quite some time. You know, Ryan, that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, and of course, with the founding of AUVSI tracing back to 1972 in Dayton and Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, it's always great to see the impact that the organization continues to have. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Brian, I'd like to start with you. Uh, for the most part, our audience has a good understanding of the autonomous systems industry. But for those that may not already know about AUVSI, uh, could you tell us a little about the organization's missions, goals, and resources? Well, you bet, Andrew. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for the time. Uh, AVSI uh, actually started in Ohio. Um, we we uh, were founded by some gentlemen that stepped off base at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, right there in your neighborhood, and um, uh, and they were doing a lot of the early work with uh, remotely piloted aircraft. So we started out on the air side, uh, but over the years we've uh, added the mantra uh, "all things unmanned." So we operate in the ground domain and in the maritime domain as well as the air domain, and um, we're a membership-based organization. So we have members that are both using and providing technology solutions in all of those areas and increasingly in multiple domains or technologies that are going to be utilized across those domains. Our primary objective is advocacy. But we have four pillars, basically advocacy, education of the industry, education of the public, which is extremely important, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that, and then, of course, serving our members. So uh, you're a great member, Andrew. Ryan, I know, has been involved for a long time. Gary as well. Um, I thank you for your membership, and, uh, and it's really great to be here to talk about my favorite topic. Well, thank you for your leadership, uh, Brian. Um, and Gary, turning to you, I know you have a unique perspective to offer from your role in industry as an AUVSI member, the Indiana Chapter President, and Chair of the AUVSI Chapter Council. Can you introduce us to the role of the chapters and, and how they benefit your membership? Sure, Ryan, thank you for the opportunity to talk. I've been involved with uh, AUVSI for nearly 20 years. Uh, I got involved um, probably around 2021 or 20, 2001. Um, 
and was working primarily with ground and maritime systems at that time, unmanned systems, but uh, obviously the air was uh, an important part of it. And it was over the years became very uh, involved in the air side. Um, I've been privileged to serve as a chapter president and as a current chair for the president's council. And I've seen the evolution of the chapters over the past 20 years or so. Um, and as far as the role of the chapters, I'd say that there are probably six key that I'd like to elaborate on a little bit. First one is networking. Um, the chapters are a place where the, the members, the users and the developers can have a meaningful technical discourse and an information exchange with other entrepreneurs, uh, other innovators, other users, other developers and technologists across the unmanned and autonomous vehicle system domain. Um, building on what Brian said, the education, the chapters promote the education of the members and the general public in regards to autonomous vehicle systems. Uh, we also reach out to try to educate our lawmakers and policy proponents, uh, public, and we reach into the, in the educational system to try to educate the students on the many benefits of the unmanned systems and their applications. Uh, following up on that, we get very involved with STEM by being involved as speakers and coaches and mentors and uh, judges. We host and organize uh, competitions, and in some cases, we can even extend grants uh, from kindergarten through postgraduate students and being, and we like to view ourselves as the catalyst for the coming generations by defining and demonstrating a career pathway for the future workforce. Uh, we like to look at ourselves as a place for ongoing professional development. We can broaden the professional relationships and strengthen the professional standings and even in some cases honor the professional accomplishments of those who make significant contributions to the field. And of course, uh, technical advancement, they take an active role in the advancement of tech development and the adoption of unmanned and autonomous vehicle systems in both the civilian and the defense marketplace. Uh, we're a place of advocacy. The chapter represents the voice of the industry to the lawmakers and policymakers. We encourage them to enact just right policy that provides the necessary protections without unduly harming the technology of the industry. And I think we're kind of a place of activism. We're the boots on the ground activists. We can act as grassroots advocates for autonomous system technologies. And we're able to engage either one-on-one -on -one or one-on-many, explain and demonstrate the technologies to those who have a desire to learn. Thanks, Gary. You know, I really can attest to the uh, benefits of collaboration between the chapters as well. And uh, I won't start naming uh, chapters because I'll leave somebody out, but uh, it's, it's a great uh, part of AUVSI. And uh, thanks for your leadership in that role. So, you know, um, I've always uh, found the networking and educational aspects of AUVSI to be a real value. So, Brian, uh, we all know that the pandemic has been very challenging for organizations that produce conferences, trade shows, and symposia. So uh, before my next question, I really have to commend you and your team for how well they were able to pivot to the virtual and hybrid events as you still look forward to when we can all meet again in person. But could you give us a quick review of uh, how you adjusted to provide value in these difficult circumstances and how you're moving forward with signature events in 2021 and beyond, including Exponential? Yeah, 2020 was an interesting year. Um, the, the, the real uh, value in the organization, of course, is its membership and the expertise of our members. And so my team immediately, when we realized we weren't going to be able to be face-to-face, -face, started looking at how do we leverage virtual platforms 
to, to do that. And in some instances, we're able to, to do that a little bit better uh, than uh, we would have been. Not everybody can always be in the same place face to face under good circumstances. Um, but a lot of people can get together virtually, it turns out. And, uh, and so we took advantage of that. Um, and we learned a ton uh, across uh, the board uh, in putting our, our events on. We did some, I think, some smarter things. Um, and, and you'll see that reflected in the programming for the coming year or the 2021 year, which is uh, really upon us. And um, one of those things is we kind of break things down a little bit more because nobody wants to sit in front of a Zoom screen for, you know, for an entire day. Um, at least if you're in a conference, you can get up and move to the next room, which is a little bit more challenging when everybody's tuning in via Zoom um, or one of the other platforms. So, uh, so we've broken things down a lot. Um, you see that this year in, um, uh, in our main event, uh, where we are actually going to be doing exponential in a hybrid format. Uh, hybrid means it's two events, uh, really, uh, and we've broken them down in terms of time as well. And they're the obvious reason that our typical time frame for exponential is the beginning of May, um, and we know that it's safe in the beginning of May to do that virtually. Uh, but we do want to get face to face, and uh, we think we've got a very good chance of doing that uh, in August. So uh, the face to face version of exponential will be in August uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, as originally announced. Uh, and they will be two entirely different programs. And if you buy basically the, you know, the full boat conference pass for Exponential in Atlanta, you will get the virtual version as well and kind of double up your value. We've also, we're in the middle of unmanned systems defense. That's broken into three different uh, events this year in different timeframes. Um, and by the time this airs, we'll be getting ready for number two. Uh, the FAUAS Symposium again this year is going to be in two versions. We're calling them episodes three and four. Uh, and then we've got a new event coming along, uh, the Business of Automated Mobility, which we're doing with the Society of Automated Engineers uh, and so forth. So no rest for the wicked. Uh, the team has really been full steam ahead, convening, uh, getting the expertise making it available to the public. And I think we've had good success with that. Well, Brian, that's, that's really impressive that such a large and complex organization as AUVSI can remain nimble enough to be able to adjust the needs of so many different constituents in your membership. That's, that's very impressive. Okay, guys, we'd like to ask a final question of both of you. And, and here it is. What do you see as the major factors affecting the autonomous systems industry over the next five years? Gary, let's, let's start with you. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good question. If I were going to try to uh, prognosticate, I'd say that we're going to be looking at advances in cognition or a reduction in human interaction from narrow AI to strong AI. So as you know, today's narrow AI systems can really outperform humans in narrowly defined tasks. But I believe we'll begin to see a more generalized AI, which would perform broadly defined tasks using knowledge and skills from different contexts. Um, it doesn't take a, um, a prognosticator to tell you that we're gonna see increases in computational speeds. But to be able to get up to the speed of human cognition is gonna be a challenge and we'll probably not make it in five years. Um, 
The current record holder, as you may know, is a Chinese system with a computational speed of about 34 petaflops, or that's quadrillions of cycles per second. But the human brain is, is, is has been estimated to have a computational speed of around an exaflop or a billion, billion cycles per second. So we've got a ways to go. Um, I think you're going to see um, some form of more secure and more verifiable uh, identification for autonomous systems because identity is one of the keys to being able to do trusted autonomy. Um, and I, I think that's going to have to be developed with verifiable and secure kinds of identities. Um, our technologies and autonomous systems must become more efficient in regards to collection of, and mapping and processing of data. Um, we're probably gonna have to have a little more diverse representation of knowledge in process dynamics and failure modes and environment. And we're gonna have to try to figure out the resolution of safety versus autonomy. That dilemma has plagued us since the beginning of autonomous systems. Um, we're gonna have to resolve some of the cybersecurity risks and we're gonna have to be much more robust in terms of self-help and monitoring. Um, changing topics a little bit, I think we're gonna have to be a little more engaged with our legislators. Uh, our legislation and policy has got to keep up if we're gonna enjoy the full benefit of autonomous systems, especially when existing well-regulated industries are being disrupted. And I think we have to realize that outdated laws or hastily rewritten new ones or slow roll policies are gonna be detrimental to taking advantage of everything that the autonomous systems have to offer. And finally, I think we're gonna to have to deal with the perception. It's all about public perception and adoption of these autonomies. And so we're gonna to have to deal with perceived usefulness, the perceived cost, um, the security, um, the perceived risk, you know, the degree to which a user understands what risks have been mitigated and what he's gonna be willing to accept. And we've gotta be able to handle trust, um, the degree to which a, a user will accept vulnerabilities, especially handing over his um, autonomy to a machine and knowing that they're opening themselves up to a possibility of not being in control. Um, so, that I, I would say that kind of sums up my uh, my perception of what we're going to be facing in the next five to ten years. Thanks for that, Gary, and and we'll look forward to having you back on Autonomy Bytes in five years, and we'll look and see how how accurate you were at predicting all of those things. And uh, Brian, turning to you now, same question: If you could see into the future, what do you think are the primary considerations over the next five years? You know, if I had known Gary was going to be so prescient, I would have asked to go first um, so that everybody could remember what he has to say. Uh, I'll just pick up on, on, a, on one or two of Gary's points and then be a little bit more general. Um, in my experience in, in not only in the unmanned systems arena, but in a career full of uh, promoting technologies before they were in the mainstream, um, I, I'm, I'm very sensitive to the kinds of things that Gary's talking about, the convergence of a lot of different technologies, not, a, not all of which are necessarily identified as unmanned systems, but their underlying technologies that allow us to continue to move forward and do more and more impressive things with the technology. So I think that convergence makes it um, both very interesting, 
But as I've learned from other technology adoptions, it also makes it much, much less predictable uh, in the future. <clears throat> and I, I think you're beginning to see that with, with some of the, uh, the, the nomenclature challenges we've got around UAS versus unmanned uh, or urban air mobility systems versus advanced air mobility systems. Are we talking about supersized drones now? Are we talking about electrified aircraft? Uh, and that's just in the air domain. So fascinating kinds of things. Um, fortunately, uh, I'm a slow thinker. I, I seriously doubt that the numbers that you just uh, you just talked about, Gary, would apply to my brain. Uh, but I, I think for sure, I, I benefit from a lot of great thinking in the industry. And again, I fall back on what are our regulatory challenges because my job and our job at, at AUVSI is to channel the massive amounts of brain power uh, and political footprint and political power that this community has uh, into getting regulations done faster uh, so that we can keep up with this incredibly fast moving technology. And I completely agree that we have to do that better. And you know, in just the three domains that I talked about earlier, the air domain, the ground domain, the maritime domain, they all have very different regulators and they have different regulatory histories. Um, and we're challenging every single one of those paradigms right now. Uh, so learning from one another uh, and, and if, if we can do things in the air where there are fewer things to hit, but the safety standards are much, much higher and, and apply them down on the ground where there are a lot more things to hit, um, but the safety standards are, are a little bit more tolerant, uh, I think is going to get safety to a different level uh, and, and create entirely new ways of moving people and goods. And I hope that was general enough so that when we come back in five years, you won't be able to pin me down on a darn thing, Ryan. Well, that, those are those are great insights. Uh, thank thank you uh, both. I mean, it's uh, it's great to have that perspective uh, from from the chapters, from from the corporate level of AUBSI. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, we've uh, reached the end of the program. So uh, Brian and Gary, thank you uh, both so much uh, for for spending time with us today and highlighting the great work and the resources uh, that are available through AUBSI. Happy to do it. Thanks for the time, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Ryan, uh, can you uh, close the show for us? Absolutely, Andrew. I hope you'll all join us in taking advantage of the resources offered by AUVSI and that we'll see all of you at the next Exponential. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, the St. Clair College National UAS Training and Certification Center. And also, please keep spreading the word about the show. We'd love to see new listeners from around the globe every month. And finally, Andrew, what is the main takeaway for today? Well, I think it's that uh, AUVSI really helps make sure that autonomy bites. All right. See everyone soon. Yeah.